Lust is highly intoxicating. Lust is highly addictive. Love, while it may start out with limerence, which has some components of lust in it, long-lasting love is not constant butterflies. They still pop up now and then. You still get the butterflies. You still see your partner and just think, wow, they're the most attractive or most amazing person in the whole world. If your lust is under control, if it's out there bumping around into other people, you may not be feeling that for your partner right now. That's actually normal, but you can get back there. Welcome to Love Addiction Recovery Over 40. I'm your guide, the coach in your pocket, Lacey Bentley. This show explores how to heal from your love and sex addiction and save your marriage. If you aren't sure where to start or what comes next, this is the place for you. I've spent 23 years leading women through addiction recovery, and I can tell you for sure, no one succeeds alone. You've got this, and I've got you. Let's get started. Some people say that love addiction and sex addiction are completely different disorders, and they only overlap minimally, if at all. And if you look at the SLAA 40 questions questionnaire, which I personally love, the main concepts of both of these are asked about in depth. And as with their questionnaire, intentional or not for them, I don't see love and sex addiction as completely separate a lot of the time until we hit the extremes of either one, which I'm going to address a little bit later in this podcast. In fact, there is so much overlap that anyone who knows both of these intimacy disorders really well can tell you that drawing a line between them other than the type of sex and sexual urges is very difficult. The relationships look a lot the same, the isolation, and even the recoveries look a lot the same. Many, many women call themselves love addicted who are in a sexual relationship with their drug of choice, which is a big reason that the love and sex addiction can be very difficult to separate. Taken holistically and within the last 23 years experience I have working with women in addiction, I only see aggressive, intense assertions that these two are completely unique coming from women who do not want to be labeled with that addiction and actually either one. There are women who don't want to be labeled with love addiction just as women who don't want to be labeled with sex addiction. And I can understand that. The most interesting tidbit about these conversations are sex addicted women who are so against being labeled a love addict, they won't even discuss it. I had one woman get very angry with me online and I was just like, it's okay. You can call your addiction, whatever you want. It's yours. I don't need to force this. Totally okay. And like my grandma used to say, a woman convinced against her will is of the same opinion still. She's just not going to tell you to your face. We don't need to be doing that to each other in this space. Women can call it what they want to call it. I am going to talk about the extremes and the differences and a little bit of the overlap just to help you understand in case these are questions you might have, they probably are going to come up for you at some point. Many women like myself and a lot of my clients find so much crossover that we don't worry about what we call it and we let other women call it what they want to call it. I usually call mine love addiction, though I certainly looking at the 40 questions from SLAA, I'm like, hmm, I don't know that that's all that I'm dealing with here. But the truth is I'm just dealing with it. I'm not so worried about what I call it. And that's the same for a lot of us in recovery. The label is way less important than if the woman is serious at looking inward and making the changes she has to make and her support network. 
If she's ready to work hard and has the right support network, she's going to recover no matter what she calls it and no matter what anyone else calls it. She just has to keep that commitment. That being said, even in the basics of the disorders, some still insist that these are two unique, completely separate beasts with 100% different treatment needs. Okay, except 12 steps is really big for treating both of them. And there are even fellowships that combine the two so closely that you can't pull them apart. You need to decide for yourself. This next part, I'm actually going to quote directly from Sexaholics Anonymous, essay.org. They say on there, we can only speak for ourselves. The specialized nature of Sexaholics Anonymous can best be understood in terms of what we call the sexaholic. The sexaholic has taken himself or herself out of the whole context of what is right or wrong. He or she has lost control, no longer has the power of choice, and is not free to stop. Lust has become an addiction. Our situation is like that of other alcoholics who can no longer tolerate alcohol and must stop drinking altogether, but are hooked and cannot stop. So it is with a sexaholic or sex drunk who can no longer tolerate lust, but cannot stop. I'm still reading from essay.org. Thus, for the sexaholic, any form of sex with oneself or partner other than the spouse is progressively addictive and destructive. We also see that lust is the driving force behind our sexual acting out. So I'm going to end on that note because lust is actually a major component of love addiction too. Take it from me. These fantasies we have in our heads, these obsessions, these urges to text or send an email, seeing our stuff on Facebook or bump into them at work or whatever it is, they are driven by lust, which is not the same as love. Lust is highly intoxicating. Lust is highly addictive. Love, while it may start out with limerence, which has some components of lust in it, long lasting love is not constant butterflies. They still pop up now and then. You still get the butterflies. You still see your partner and just think, wow, they're the most attractive or most amazing person in the whole world. If your lust is under control, if it's out there bumping around into other people, you may not be feeling that for your partner right now. That's actually normal, but you can get back there. This lust though, it crosses the boundaries of sex and love addiction. In the fantasy, you're constantly crossing boundaries that maybe, hopefully you would never cross in real life. But in your mind, you've got this relationship going on that's not real. It's not based on reality. The connection inside of this relationship is very different than in the real relationship out in the world, which makes the real relationship actually kind of weird for both of you. And the other person probably has no idea why, but you do because you're doing weird stuff in your head. So this is an excerpt taken right off of slaafws.org. It's the website of Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. And this is taken from something called the 12 Characteristics of Sex and Love Addiction from 1985. These are the behaviors that describe sex and love addiction. And again, SLAA combines the two. And except in the extremes, and then I don't even know then, does not separate them. And so this is what SLAA considers to be the issues. Few healthy boundaries. We become sexually involved with and or emotionally attached to people without knowing them. Us love addicts, this is my side note. Man, we attach fast. We're like, this person is my soulmate. We're going to be best friends. 
you guys probably can relate. You meet someone at a conference or something and you're like, we're so besties and we're gonna be besties forever. Or you're sitting on a first or second date or you just met a new coworker and you're already thinking about what your kids might look like or what they're like in bed. That's not actually totally normal. That's an addicted brain. And that's what a lover sex addict might do. So having few healthy boundaries, we become sexually involved with and or emotionally attached to people without knowing them. Fearing abandonment and loneliness, we stay in and return to painful, destructive relationships. Ladies, you know what they're talking about there. I'm sure you do. We confuse love with neediness, physical and sexual attraction, pity, and or the need to rescue or be rescued. Y'all, my husband married me to save me. I married him because he was saving me. Now we have something amazing, but that's how we got started. That's no good. Additionally, from the SLAA website, we sexualize stress, guilt, loneliness, anger, shame, fear, envy, and I'm going to add safety. To avoid feeling vulnerable, we may retreat from all intimate involvement. For these individuals in this organization, the two disorders are so similar, you guys, that they group and recover together, which is also what we do in my community. There is so much overlap. Many don't bother differentiating. So let's look at the extremes where these two disorders are actually very different. So for a love addict, she might stay in an abusive, toxic relationship because she's so hooked on this person. She does not believe she can live without them. She can't stay away. She desperately wants to change them and take care of them. And she's pretty sure she can make them into the person that she believes they are, even at her own peril. She is so convinced that this person is who she thinks they are and that she needs them so much, she will let herself be hurt and abused. She will let herself be berated and name-called and mocked in front of friends. And she'll just forgive it and go, but he needs me. I've got to help him. Or the love addict herself is so toxic that she'll lash out, she'll scream, she'll yell, she'll throw things one minute, and then she's begging him to take her back. She's begging that you don't leave her. She's begging you not to turn your back on her. And these extremes have their own extremes. So this extreme here could turn into stalking behavior, into constantly contacting someone who has made it very clear they do not want to hear from you anymore. They do not want a continued relationship with you, whether intimately or otherwise. And this woman just can't let go. They can become so all consumed with this person. They will move to another country following this person. There are literal stories of this, moving to another state, moving across country, moving to another country to follow this person to try to win them back. That is not healthy. But this woman, it is all she can think of to do. She has got to get this person back. And she will cross all boundaries of social norms and self-preservation. Being away from this person is so painful. It's such hell. She will endure anything, including arrest and jail and public humiliation to get this person back. This is extreme. Again, and very few love addicts actually take it this far, but some do. You've probably heard stories. Maybe some of you are relating to this. And I want to reassure you, help is available. If you relate to these extremes, please, please, please get professional help. There is help available to you. You're going to need a lot of support, but you can regain control of your lust in your life. It's possible. 
Now, trigger warning, I'm going to go into the extremes of sex addiction. I am not going to talk details. I'm just going to talk in generalities. So some of the most chaotic sex addiction behaviors are very different, and you can probably think of some of them, than what I just described in the most chaotic and extreme love addiction behaviors. So in extreme sex addiction behaviors, we're looking at things like exposure in public, bird watching into other people's private spaces, sexually harming children, denying others their right to consent in sex. Those who violate may be known to their victims or not. The lust just takes over and other people can be seriously harmed. And this breaks not only social boundaries, but very serious laws that can result in lifelong prison sentences or lifelong registration with sex offender registries. That is no joke. Those registries are serious, and it is sex addicts who are more likely to end up on those lists than the love addicts. In fact, love addicts probably won't end up on those lists. An extreme, extreme example of this would be Jeffrey Dahmer, who is a severely deviant sex addict and pathological on so many levels, even of his own admission. You will not see a love addict doing the kinds of things that Jeffrey Dahmer did. You will see them doing very different things. Often love addicts are described as having borderline personality disorder or crazy bees or crazy chicks or all kinds of things like that. Whereas a sex addict, and I don't approve of these names or slurs, would describe herself as a slut or a whore or others would. And I want to be very clear, there is nothing in those names I think is okay. No woman should call herself and no one else should call a woman a slut or a whore or a tramp or any of that. It's not okay. They're disgusting words. They're hurtful words. And they're not okay. And the fact that we don't even have comparable words in our vernacular, in our language for men is disturbing. Like, so we only call women these names. It's a big reason I'm like, nope, they're not okay. If we only have them for one group of people, they shouldn't be said. So what I want you most to take away from this episode is the understanding that sex and love addiction do have differences, especially at the extreme. But for a lot of us, those lines are so blurred that we stopped trying to untangle them a long time ago. A lot of the behaviors we're dealing with are not at that extreme for most people. We worry more in our recoveries about deeper and deeper recovery instead of what to label a particular pattern. We look for what's destructive, and it's our job to weed that out of our lives, to focus on ourselves. And when we do this, we have the freedom to let other people think and feel and believe whatever they want. Our recovery and sobriety are not about them. And what we say we're in recovery or sobriety from is our decision. Thanks for listening. Can I ask you a favor? If this resonated with you, will you leave a review on Apple Podcasts? Your input allows us to reach more people and make a bigger impact. Next, if you're wondering whether or not you're ready for recovery, Take the quiz by going to www.herrecoveryroadmap.com forward slash quiz, where you'll find the right next step for you. Until next time, don't forget, you've got this and I've got you.